You're listening to the podcast of The Branch in Ashland, Virginia. We might sometimes think we know exactly what God is up to, only to find out he isn't up to what we thought he was. It can be hard for us to think we know his plan and then find out we're wrong. When this happens, do we trust that he's still in control? When we can't hear him, do we think he's abandoned us? Do we think he's forgotten us? We're continuing to look at Joseph's story today as we see how he responds when it seems like God isn't showing up. If you've ever had that moment in life where you feel like you can read all the the events that are happening in life and you can almost predict what's coming next and then uh, it doesn't happen. Um, you you kind of, just based on experience, based on your own uh, wisdom and knowledge, you, you can kind of see how things are starting to fall into place and you're almost expecting it to just happen and then it doesn't and you kind of find yourself there scratching your head going, well, what's, what's going on? Sometimes, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, we may feel like we're abandoned. We may feel like God has left us. You know, David in the Psalms, one of the, one of the reasons why I love going back to the Psalms is just because David is so honest and real and authentic in there, expressing his full emotion. In Psalm 13, David says this, he says, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Can you sense that feeling of abandonment, of feeling alone, of feeling rejected and kind of cast aside that David's expressing here? And have you been there before? Have you wondered whether God was really there, whether He was listening, whether He even cared about the situation that you were in? The good news for those of us who find ourselves there is that there are others who have gone through this before. David and Joseph and others in Scripture, we see that they've been in that place where they've felt abandoned. They've felt that, that need to, to hear from God. They've felt like they were alone and maybe even cast aside. We've been looking at the story of Joseph over these last few weeks. And as we continue that story today, I I imagine sometimes what heaven will be like. And I wonder if when, when Joseph and David met, whether they commiserated with one another a little bit, that David says, hey, I read your story to Joseph <clears throat> and I can relate. And I wonder if we can feel the same way Feeling like, again, there's been disappointment. There's been feelings of abandonment. If you've been with us or if you've followed online the last couple of weeks, um, we've started with Joseph who is favored, the favored son of Jacob. Uh, his father gave him a special robe. He had some dreams that he uh, willingly shared with his brothers, uh, which ended up with him uh, enslaved, being sold into slavery in Egypt. And he finds himself, after what we looked at last week, that his, his master's wife has falsely accused him. He's landed in prison. And so Joseph's had this like really high and really low moment in life. And he keeps kind of flip-flopping back and forth between those places. At the end of Genesis 39, which we looked at last week, we read this, the 
warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Joseph was being faithful to God even in prison. And we pick up Joseph's account in Genesis chapter 40. If you have a Bible, you can turn with me. Reading in the New International Version will be up on the screen as well. Um, and we're going to do what we did the last couple of weeks too. We're just going to look at a couple of verses at a time. Starting in verse 1, this is what we read. Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh is angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended them. After they'd been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. We don't know exactly what happened with the cupbearer and the baker to have landed them in prison. Um, I I would think that uh, officials back then and officials of today may not be so different. Uh, We've seen some interesting leaders, not only in our own country, but in other countries as well, who uh, are always paranoid about people uh, not liking them. Uh, So this megalomaniac, Pharaoh, You know, he's got these two people who are making decisions on the things that he eats and the things that he drinks. And so somewhere along the way, they've ticked him off and he's put them in prison. And so God being God in charge of all things lands them in the prison that Joseph is overseeing the prisoners in. And he finds, they find themselves under the watch care of Joseph. Now, last time within the account of Joseph that we read about or heard about Joseph and dreams, it didn't end well for him. Part of the reason why Joseph is where he is is because of what happened with dreams, right? He just kind of told his brothers the dreams that he had and they didn't like it. And so they threw him in a cistern. He ended up getting sold into slavery. Well, has Joseph learned anything? Yes, he has. And we see that in these next verses. It says, starting in verse 6, When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, Why do you look so sad today? We both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God. Tell me your dreams. Now, I've, I've always said that there's at least two kinds of people in the world. There's the people who learn from their mistakes and then the people who learn from other people's mistakes. You could probably throw in a third category, people who never learn from mistakes, right? Um, but let's, let's be optimistic here and say that people either learn from their mistakes or learn from the mistakes of others. And I think we can safely say, based upon how Joseph responds to this situation, that Joseph is one of the former that he's learning from his mistakes. Last time he just kind of blurted out his dreams. He assumed what the interpretation is and he landed where he is. But before he even hears these dreams from the cupbearer and the baker, what does he say? He says, do not interpretations belong to God. Tell me your dreams. 
Joseph has come to this place of understanding and surrender. He knows that God is in control. He knows that he can't make the interpretation of the dream. He, he needs God's wisdom to do that. He needs the Holy Spirit to speak through him. Before he even hears the dream, he says, God can do this. That's faith. Faith is all about saying, before we even make a step, before we even head out in a certain direction, we're saying, before I do this, I know that God will lead me. I know that God knows what's happening here, and Joseph says that. In some ways, it reminds me of what Paul says in his letters, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Before we set out, do we know that God is the one who's going to direct us? God is the one who's going to show us the way. You know, we're in the midst of uh, playoff season as the, the Super Bowl is looming a few weeks in the, the future. I, I've always found it interesting that when you watch post-game uh, press conferences and interviews that some of these athletes are like, oh, I'd just like to give thanks to God, you know. And it feels like an afterthought to me, not just because it's, it's the post-game interview, but just because it's like, well, let me check off the box and say uh, I'm giving credit to God so that I don't get like hit by lightning or something here. But jo- Joseph is going in the pregame. And he's saying, before we even get out on the field, I'm going to say that God is the one who's in charge here. God is the one who's in control of all things. God's the one who's going to bring the interpretation of these dreams. I'm not going to do it. It's not my strength that I'm relying on. I'm not going to check off a box. I'm going to say from the very get-go that God is the one who's in charge here. Now, Joseph comes to that place. He, he starts out and he acknowledges God as the one to do this. And Joseph may be thinking in his head, okay, here's my way of getting out of prison. You know, I'm not going to be stuck here anymore. You know, it's bad enough that I'm enslaved here in Egypt, but now I'm in prison as well. Maybe this is my ticket out. We have to remember when we find ourselves in difficult situations like Joseph found himself in is that the metric isn't when we think we've learned enough or we think we've had enough. It's when God says we have. And that's a hard pill for us to swallow. Because we, again, can see all the pieces and we think that we know how things are going, but we need to acknowledge that it's not until God says, hey, I'm ready, hey, it's time, hey, we're going. It's not when we said, hey, let me up, I've had enough. And so the cupbearer and the baker here in this account, they share their dreams with Joseph, starting in verse 9. And so the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream. He said to him, In my dream I saw a vine in front of me. On the vine were three branches. As soon as it budded, it blossomed, and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and put the cup in his hand. This is what it means, Joseph said to him. The three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position. You'll put Pharaoh's cup in his hand, just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I've done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. 
When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given a favorable interpretation, he said to Joseph, I too had a dream. On my head were three baskets of bread. In the top basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. This is what it means, Joseph said. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head and impale your body on a pole, and the birds will eat away your flesh. Those are very different dream interpretations, right? <clears throat> the cupbearer shares his dream and, and Joseph interprets it. He gives him a good and favorable one. <clears throat> and you know, this is the closest that we've seen, at least that we have an account of Joseph actually saying, hey, get me out of here. Because as soon as he gives the interpretation to the cupbearer, he kind of takes the opportunity And he says, hey, by the way, once this all happens to you, once you get out of here, do me a favor. Do me a solid here because I need you to go and tell Pharaoh, hey, get get him out of there. I don't belong here. I don't deserve to be here. So get me out. I have a suspicion that like many of us, the cupbearer heard, you're going to get out of here and things are going to go well. And then after that, all he heard was wah, 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 wah. He didn't hear Joseph say, hey, help, put in a good word for me. I need to get out of here. All he heard what was, what was uh, good to him. And he said, that, that's it. Well, and then what happens after that? We see that the baker's kind of listening in. and He's going, hey, he just gave him a really good message. Let me see if I can get in on this action too. Uh, Let me tell you my dream. Let me tell you my dream. And he does, and I don't know if he got what he expected there. That that Joseph gave him a completely different, like if you couldn't be more opposite of the interpretations that these two guys receive. And Joseph there in prison, as he's telling these interpretations, and he's trying to get out, I wonder if he's thinking to himself like, okay, I see how this is all playing out. God's going to release me from here. Here's my opportunity. And I wonder if he should be asking himself a different question. When we find ourselves in situations like Joseph found himself in, are we asking ourselves, what does God want me to do here? What does God want to do through me here? What am I supposed to learn here? You know, so often we find ourselves in an uncomfortable situation or uncomfortable circumstances and we just want to get out. We want to do whatever we can. I don't think Joseph did anything wrong here. I think he was being wise by saying, hey, I've got an opportunity here. Maybe this guy's going to go and he's going to say what I did and, and I'll get out of here. I don't think he was disobedient in that, but I don't think it was God's timing then. I think God needed him to be there a little bit longer. And that's what we see in the account of Joseph is we see all this unfold before us. That God's timing was perfect all along the way. And it unfolds the way that God wants it to unfold, not the way that Joseph does or or we do. But Joseph may have been disappointed. I expect that he probably was. And the truth that we need to understand as we look at this is that God's silence doesn't mean God's abandonment. 
if you don't hear anything else today, hold that and take it with you. I was thinking about it before, the, the number of times I tell you to write something down and put it on your dashboard or your mirror. Your mirrors could be covered potentially by now with all the things I tell you to put up there. But here's something that I think is really important for us to hang on to. Because there are voices out there that are telling us the complete opposite of this. That when we feel like God is being silent, that means that He's abandoned us. He's walked away from us. He's not listening to us. But that's not true. God's silence does not mean that He's abandoned us. After the Old Testament ends and before the New Testament begins, there's a period of 400 years of silence. Of God's silence. That didn't mean that God had abandoned them. It didn't mean that God had walked away. It meant that God's timing was for there to be 400 years of silence. Some of us can't stand four minutes of silence. They had 400 years of it. But God was still there. God hadn't left. He hadn't abandoned them. He hadn't forgotten them. One of the other things that I think we see in this, and we see this from the baker, is that if you ask the question, be prepared for the truth. Like some of us, we are eager to know. We want to know. We want to know. And then we ask the question and we're like, I wish I hadn't asked. And I wonder if the baker's doing that. Like, hey, the reality is he would still end up the same way. He just wouldn't have known about it had he not asked for the interpretation. Ignorance is bliss sometimes, right? I don't know if it would have been helpful or not. But he asks for it and then he gets it. If we ask God for things, whether they're interpretations or whatever, we have to be prepared for his answer no matter what. No matter what. And I'm not saying, hey, don't pray for it. Don't ask God for an answer. But realize that when you ask, he's going to give you the answer that he wants to give. He's not going to give you the answer that you want to hear all the time. And we have to prepare ourselves for that. Joseph had to prepare himself. As he was in prison, and again, we don't have any account of him having prayed to the Lord and said, hey, rescue me. But I imagine that he probably prayed that prayer more than once, considering the amount of time that's that's passed here. But when we ask God for something, we have to be willing to accept his answer, whether we like it or not. We see what happens to the cupbearer and the baker. Everything that Joseph had said comes true. We pick it up in verse 20. Now the third day was Pharaoh's birthday, and he gave a feast for all his officials. He lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials. Just like an official, like a government official, right? As soon as he needs you, he, he lets you out of prison, right? So that's what he does. He restores the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put the cup in the Pharaoh's hand. But he impaled the chief baker just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Now, Joseph had been faithful to God. We've seen that. Last week we talked about how Joseph had maintained his integrity even though his boss, his master's wife, was throwing herself at Joseph. uh, he, He still maintained integrity. That's what's landed him in prison. 
Now he took the opportunity to say to the cupbearer, hey, when you get out, help me. Tell them, I need to get out of here. I don't belong in here. And the haunting reality is what we read in verse 23. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Here's another thing that we need to remember. Just because others forget us does not mean that God has forgotten us. If you haven't already in life, you will at some point experience that somebody forgets you. Somebody will forget about you because they're so consumed with themselves that they turn their back on you. That doesn't mean that God has forgotten you. That doesn't mean that God has turned His back on you just because somebody else has forgotten you. Joseph was probably thinking to himself, here's my opportunity. I should be able to get out of here. I've been faithful to God. I've been obedient. I'm taking advantage of the opportunities before me. I'm not complaining about it. Why am I still here? But God is putting things into place. He's got a plan. He's not surprised by any of this. And we see as we look into the next chapter, that he's, God is putting pieces together. Joseph can't see him. He doesn't know what they are. We can't always see those pieces. We might not always understand the why of it. As we're trying to decipher things, as we're trying to understand how things are put together. Throughout this account of Joseph, we don't see him complain. There's no record of him complaining. That doesn't mean he wasn't disappointed. That doesn't mean he wasn't heartbroken. That didn't, doesn't mean that he didn't want to get out. And the thing about it is, it wasn't just a few days that he found himself here. We look at the first verse of the next chapter. This is what we read. When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. Joseph had to wait two full years. Like he talked to the cupbearer. He said, hey, when you get out of here, help me. Do a brother a favor here. Speak up for me. He forgot him and it wasn't just two minutes. It wasn't two days. It wasn't two weeks. It wasn't two months. It was two full years later that the guy's like, oh, hey, this dude in prison who told me my dream. Probably because Pharaoh's having a dream and, and he's like, uh, last time I, had, I didn't do what Pharaoh asked me to do, I landed in prison. Oh, prison. That's right. There was a guy in prison and he told me my, my dream. And so Joseph has to wait two full years. What did he do in that time? We don't, it just goes from chapter 40 to 41. We, we don't know anything that happens there. I don't know about you, but I'd be pretty ticked. I mean, if I had an opportunity, first of all, as soon as I got my hands on the cupbearer, man, that dude would be hurting. But like, what happened in those two years? As he waited, as he wondered, am I ever going to get out of here? God, have you abandoned me? Have you cast me aside? Have you forgotten all about me? 
Wherever you might be, if you're in that period of waiting, hear this, God has not forgotten you. You might feel forgotten. You might feel like God isn't there. You might feel like He's not listening. You might feel abandoned. You might feel like God is wasting your time. God is wasting His time. And am I ever going to get out of here? But God is not wasting anything. God's not wasting time. He's not wasting the waiting that you find yourself in. Even if you can't see it, even if you don't understand it, God is still at work. He's still doing something. He's not surprised. He's still working beneath the surface. And we'll see this all in the upcoming weeks as, as everything begins to unfold. That God had a plan. God had a purpose. God had specific timing. It wasn't Joseph's timing. Often it's not our timing. But it's God's time. And so, what do we do with all this? A couple of questions and a a comment for us. First of all, what's our measurement of what's enough? You know, and people say all the time that men are wimps because you know they don't have to deal with childbirth, right? So, uh, some of us can admit that we have a a much lower threshold for pain and tolerance of things that aren't going our way. Are we? How are we measuring what's enough? I was saying before, you know, we were talking before the service that, you know, there's this saying out there and I I can easily want to hit someone when they say it, but God never gives you anything more than you can handle. Seriously? Find that in here. Like, it's not there. It's, I, I can't use, say the word that I think it is, but um, it, it is not true. But yet we always try to project that onto our circumstances and say, well, God's not going to give me more than I can handle. Sorry. Like that may be your fortune, but it's not God's truth. You might open it, open a fortune cookie and find it there, but you're not going to find it in God's Word. I'm sorry, it's just not true. And so we might say, well, God, I've had enough. Let me up. And that's not the measurement of it. Our faith is formed in that place where we finally get to the place where we say, I can't do this anymore because just like Joseph, we come to a place of surrender and we said, but he can. I can't do this anymore. I'm at the end of my rope. I've had enough. Let me up. And then we say, but God, you can. Remember, God's silence does not equal God's abandonment he hasn't left you he hasn't walked away he hasn't forgotten you or abandoned you he's still at work the question that we have to ask ourselves is what are we doing in the waiting when we find ourselves in those moments where things aren't playing out the way that we had thought or planned what are we doing waiting and we've said this before waiting is not something that we do passively We just kind of sit back and go, okay, whatever. God is still at work even when we find ourselves in that place of waiting. What are we doing 
in the waiting? Are we looking to God? Are we saying, am I being faithful to you even in the midst of this? I don't want to be here. I'd rather get out of here. I've had enough. But can you still work through me? Can I still be faithful even when I don't like it? In and of ourselves, absolutely not. Joseph said, God is the one who gives the dream interpretation. And we need to say, I can't do this, but you can. Can we come to that place of abandonment, of sacrifice, where we say, hey, I've had enough, but God, do the work in me and do the work through me. Let me pray for us. God, it's hard to feel like sometimes we see the pieces falling into place. We think we know what you're doing. We think we know how you're working and then we're disappointed. Dreams are shattered. Things fall apart and we just don't understand. Father, sometimes we might never understand how Your will unfolds before us. But Father, help us to trust You even when we don't understand. Even when it doesn't make sense. Even when we don't like what the outcome is. May we trust You. Will will You give us the faith that we need to trust that You're still in control, that You haven't abandoned us, You haven't forgotten us, that You're still there. You're with us in the waiting. So God, may we trust in You. Sometimes it's easier said than done. But God, we know that through You who gives us strength, We can do anything. So we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. While we're waiting for God, waiting to hear what He's saying and where He's going, what do we do? Do we take matters into our own hands or do we trust that He's still in control? Remember, God's silence does not mean He's abandoned you. Those that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Wait on Him in the midst of the struggle. He will show up. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at thebranchashland at gmail.com. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, give us a review, and share with your friends and family. Thanks for listening. See you next time.